Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of the Richard and Dr. Ed podcast. Today, we're going to be giving you guys a quick and brief introduction of who we are, how we got here, and what we're doing to change the fitness and health world, one person at a time. Mr. Ed, welcome. How are we doing? Pretty good today, although I've realized after two days of not having dark chocolate that I'm quite tired because I usually eat a whole bar every day. Oh, yeah. So we've stopped the dark chocolate. Nice. Mm. I like it. That's kind of sad. Nobody yeah. should go without dark chocolate. It's delicious. I, know. I don't like dark chocolate. Personally, I'm a milk chocolate fan. Um, but that's just me. We all have our issues. So, yeah, I like coffee. And I don't think I'll ever give up coffee. I don't care what anybody says. I enjoy my coffee in the morning. It's delicious. The funny thing is I don't need coffee in the morning. I just enjoy it. So... That's, I think I'm the that's same. my take on it. Yeah, I just really enjoy the taste of coffee. But anywho, let's get rocking. So I want to start by saying we've come a long ways. We've met, uh, has it been three years ago, two years ago, three years ago, right? Maybe four uh, years ago because COVID happened. So we lost those two years. But we yeah. met a while back at a seminar and we've stayed in touch and we worked together Um and it's been awesome kind of where we are now and how we're working with clients. Uh, we share uh, some patient information and we kind of help each other make sure that the clients are able to create safety and confidence inside their body, outside in their outside environments in order to perform uh, optimally. And that optimal level is always of variance degrees depending on the clients that we have. And so it's been it's been a very cool road and we've been working together now, I think, sharing clients and, you know, doing that kind of stuff now. It's been almost a year. And mm-hmm. I think that we're really just at the turning stone of developing some really cool techniques, movement wise, breath wise, exposure wise, um, you know, to really help people. So I think the goal of this podcast is to inform you guys and you know, maybe give you guys some golden nuggets or things to think about and implement in your own life. But I think it's also a great way for us to really record our case studies because we get very challenging, interesting uh, clientele from uh, word of mouth and from references. And so I think that it's a it, this is a great way to kind of talk about the cool victories that we have. Like I had I messaged you yesterday because I was so stoked um, with one of my clients. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I think that, first of all, we need an introduction of who Dr. Ed is and how you got here, because you have an extensive background um, and a very filled resume as it keeps growing. So would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Uh, Yes, I suppose I will. Um, And this is your show, Ed, so you should be extensive on your resume and be (laughs) proud of it. (laughs) Well, I, I suppose to touch on what you said. I think um, people come to see us because we are integrating all of these different ideas and principles. Um, And I suppose my CV is a representation of that. And I'm always trying to find something else to integrate in that can help somebody. And the reason I think that we get maybe more complicated or complex or challenging clients is because they at some point have been um, not necessarily let down, but they haven't found uh, a solution or um, reasonable answers for their 
problems or how they're suffering. And um, that's something that we're both super passionate about. So hopefully we can put that across in the podcast. Um, yeah. As we, we will have already said, none of this is meant as medical advice, but hopefully if you're struggling with something, um, you might find something helpful with us. Yeah. So my journey began, um, well, I was born, um, but then <laughs> after that, I quickly got into science. I ended up studying maths, physics, chemistry, and biology when I was at college. Um, and at that time, I thought, well, maybe I'd study medicine, but I was more interested in biochemistry. And the reason for that was because I was into training and nutrition. Um, I had some friends who were interested in going to the gym, and I was always the scientific friend um, and wanted to understand why certain diets worked and why training worked to make people more healthy, if that's such a thing. Um, you were so like, went... they were asking about all the supplements they should be taking. Exactly. <laughs> so w- one of my best friends, uh, Lee, he said that I looked like a nerd and I went to the gym so that he just approached me and said, can we go to the gym together? And that's how we became friends. Beautiful. Um, so it's the start of a great, great friendship. Exactly. <laughs> and he now uh, is like big in the supplement industry. So there you go. We awesome. did both sides of the coin. Winning. Um, so I studied all, all those scientific things, went to university to study biochemistry, um, did four years uh, at the University of Bath, which was ranked, I think, third in the UK at the time I graduated. to had a pretty awesome. good experience there. One of the years when I was there, I actually moved to Dundee and not many people have heard of Dundee, but the University of Dundee has one of the top research institutes in Europe, if not the world, in certain avenues. So I worked with some uh, very cool people, um, Philip Cohen, who basically discovered most of the pathway that cells use to um, sense glucose in the cell. So big diabetes research center there. Um, and then a few people that I became very interested in their careers, how they kind of applied science in in the medical world but i was still interested in in kind of diet and training so i got into this um topic of mTOR or how (laughs) cells sense their environment and their nutrients um to make decisions and it seems like in hindsight that 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 was always something that i would have done and seems to be useful to me now everything that i i did so I, I published papers in nutrient sensing and amino acids, um, then went back to Bath, finished my degree, and then wasn't really sure about what I was going to do. I was thinking about doing a PhD in molecular biology. I ended up getting an offer for a PhD, but at the same time, I was working um, with children with special needs, and I became really interested in behavior. And I thought, we can know uh, the theory about why certain diets work, why certain training techniques work, but if it was all so easy just to know it, uh, then why isn't everybody doing it? And then um, the kind of things that we would talk about more frequently, more recently is kind of how can we help people with their behavior? Yeah. Um, and it, it was that interest in people, their health behavior that took me. Uh, I managed to get into medical school. Um, I was rejected eight times, which is... <laughs> that's perseverance, bro. That's awesome. There you go. <laughs> um, it, and it was one of them that rejected me that eventually accepted me because I was on the way okay. to that. Beautiful. There you go. Um, not everything is an easy path. Exactly. So the first few years were, um, I guess, easy and... 
um, straightforward. It was covering a lot of the biochemistry and the basic science again, which I thought was always uh, an important thing to do. And then um, I went into the kind of clinical years of study and we were in hospital seeing and doing things that I generally thought there must be a better way. I saw a lot of people suffering with chronic health conditions, having multiple surgeries, um, having surgeries that I maybe didn't think were necessary in some cases. Um, conversations, again, around um, different diets and things weren't really had. Um, and then the more I saw that I thought could change, the more I studied uh, outside of conventional medicine. Um, looking to different philosophies, um, getting into some alternative and complementary podcasts, really, to just gain knowledge in all of these areas. And um, in doing so, came across the work of yourself. Um, and I suppose there's still several years that have passed since then. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got into a lot of something growth. called Exactly. Um, something called health optimization medicine, which I have been studying on a parallel with conventional medicine in the context of um, more recently psychiatry training in the UK. Awesome. So that mostly takes us to where we are. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll ask you the same question. How did you get here? Well, not through that road. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was in a... I come originally from the culinary background. Um, I was a chef by trade. I, I am a very practical learner, I will say. I, I, I'd like to be moving around quite a bit and I don't and I like to have 10,000 projects at once. Um, some may call it ADHD. Um, I still refuse to say that I have ADHD. I don't think I have ADHD. Um, but I like to take on a whole lot. I like to always be moving and I think that's why I really took on to cooking. And, you know, for me, I, I always have understood it's about who you know, um, that allows you to understand what you know. And I was very fortunate early days. So I'm talking at 13 years old, I went to a hotel in Laguna Beach and uh, got a tour. And at their five star restaurant, got to speak to uh, Chef Boyce and said, hey, I want to be a chef. And he allowed me to go and intern at his kitchen at 13 years old, which was crazy. Um, some may say illegal, but it was awesome. And I spent every weekend there from then until I was able to forge my high school diploma and fly down to Mexico to go, go to culinary school, get my diploma, come back, get a job, drop out of high school. Well, not drop out. I took the Chesapeake exam, which is basically a California high school proficiency exam that shows that you have the knowledge necessary of what they would teach you in high school. Um, started working in the restaurants, worked my way up, and then got really into fitness because I got into girls. Um, <laughs> so as any boy would do, start doing pull-ups and push-ups and try to look good naked so you can impress the ladies. Um, and I left that, that part kinda, out of my story. Yeah, <laughs> it's always important. <laughs> There's a reason all men want to look good, look good naked um, and create confidence. And um, yeah, the, the the fitness path really led me to fall in love with rock climbing and mountaineering. And in my first mountaineering expedition down in Mexico, got hit by a rock. There was a rock slide 
Um, so I got slammed by a boulder of sorts. I mean, it was about a meter and a half or about five five feet tall and about yay thick. And oh, it doesn't fit in the thing, the screen shoots. Um, <laughs> but it basically got, got smashed by a boulder, uh, spent about 10 hours, 12 hours, I don't know, a lot of hours on the mountain before we were able to get rescued. Um, got taken down the mountain, spent around five months in bed, and then learned how to walk in the next three months or so. So about an eight month, you know, initial start to square one. So right now I weigh about a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds, a hundred kilos. When I first was able to stand up, I weighed 65 kilos. I don't know if you can imagine me at 65 kilos, um, basically not much muscle mass there. So started to do my rehab. And that's really when I got obsessed with fitness in learning to walk again, I was taken to physiotherapist offices and I could just, it just, for me, it felt like a dead course in the sense that it, it physiotherapy is needed for sure. When you have non-active people or, you know, a large population that just wants manual therapy and wants to go back to a factory reset. Um, for me, I really wanted to do much more. And, and I do, I've done so much research, um, leading up to my recovery that I was already doing better than what the physiotherapist wanted me to do. And so I was like, I don't need this. I'm just going to do my own path. And from there, I kind of went on to get my personal training certification, um, got back into CrossFit and started coaching at a gym and, um, you know, I always say like when you don't have somebody to learn from, you, it's time for you to move on somewhere else. That's something that uh, Chef Boyce taught me. So a lot of principles really have carried over from what I learned in my early days in the restaurants and at the gym I was at. I just was not learning from anybody. So I said, I have to go do something else. Um, and I thought the best way to do it was just to open up my own place. So I opened up my own CrossFit affiliate in 2009, uh, sold it in 2016 or 2017. The, the years get kind of blurry, but build a successful gym, build a corporate wellness program, and was really obsessed on the performance side of things, but more than anything, the human experience in the gym and the value that we have towards exercise and towards movement and, or I should say the lack of value that we have towards movement and exercise. Um, I really started to see people that were coming to my gym so that I could tell them what to do so they didn't need to be present while they were training. And that would be something that I changed right away. I would force people to really be present when they were training. I would create an experience when they were in the gym, just like, again, go back to the early cooking days, create an experience when you're feeding somebody. You want an experience when you're at the gym and when you're training, especially if you're paying somebody who has the expertise to tell you what to do or how to do it. Um, so I really focused on de delivering that experience when I was with my clients and you know, building up through there. I found a mentor, Julian Pinot, and he allowed me to see a different spectrum of what movement was. And that led me down a whole rabbit hole of selling my gym, leading seminars with him around the world. And after doing seminars with him for four years, I started to, again, think of the way that I want to express my knowledge of what I've learned over the 15 plus years of working with people and, and training people. And it's led me here. Um, and my 
my obsession, I get, I get very obsessed with things and my obsession with movement and health, uh, more so in the emotional and mental capacity has grown over the past few years, uh, especially after working with so many clients where you start to see that there's something so much deeper than just, you know, fixing a movement imbalance and that the, the, the discomfort in the shoulder comes from much more than just the activation or the contraction of the muscles. And I think that's something that we're going to get very deep in these following podcasts. Uh, but that's really where I think we are, we are today is I have so much depth of knowledge from the experiential side um, and from the application side. And I think for me, that is always the the biggest, one of the biggest components, right? Is if we can practically apply it to people and take it outside of just the research or a micro level, which you do such a great job with the micro level of like how cells respond, but how do we put that in this macro spectrum of that human that is, you know, it's a living organism and there's a lot of different things at play. And so I think that's really where, for me as a coach, and I would say one of the biggest golden nuggets for you guys is follow your intuition, especially if you're a coach and you're passionate about connecting and, and mastering that connection with somebody, just connect with somebody and go with your gut feeling as to what they need next. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the biggest things that I like to educate my coaches on and educate anybody that's listening or my clients to make them independent is what does your gut tell you that you should be doing next? Um, and how can we change these behaviors if you know that that next movement is a highly reactive movement that is maybe not something you want to be doing, right? Um, which I think is one of the 99% of the things that you and I kind of work with with our clients. So that's kind of a short end of my background and kind of what we do is, is really trying to master the connection that we have with our humans and our and the people that we work with and educating them how to connect with themselves and how to change you know we're going to be using a lot of these terms but change their internal environment meaning their gut health uh how their cells react and you know we'll go into much deeper processes of what's going on in the body when we're talking about the internal environment or change their external environment and how they perceive their external environment so i think that that's really where you and I have like this beautiful mesh because you come to me and you send me all these crazy cool studies that you're figuring out. And then I'm like, oh, okay, so this is kind of how we're going to go here and we're going to go here. Um, you know, one of the disclaimers that I want to put out there is that people are asking me where are the peer-reviewed articles or the research or this or that. And a lot of the stuff that I do, and you know this firsthand, is I just go with my gut feeling of what I think that person needs first. Um, and then we start to see how these, these changes and these active changes create different patterns behaviorally in the in the person. That was long-winded, Ed. Sorry. No, it's good. Hope I didn't bore you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure there's still a metaphor listening. in there. No, there's a metaphor in there about <laughs> finding all of the ingredients and then mixing them up together and getting to here with the chef yeah. background. So um, I think that was a, I mean, that's kind of our intro, right? We're we're working with people in a in a variance in a variety of degrees, right? So there's a depth of of work that we put in. And with you having clients that are coming to you more from the medical side and wanting, you know, supplementations or medications and you wanting to say, hey, the, you know, the 
your prescription is movement. <laughs> Maybe is not the easiest to sell for people, but it, it it is what they need. It's it's amazing how we have been able to see massive, and I'm talking massive changes, like massive changes, just by creating simple changes in daily routines. It's 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 phenomenal. Um, so yeah. Anywho, sorry, I got I got off on a rant there. Bring me back. I know. Well, I, I think one of the one of the I mean, the reason I wanted to do this podcast is probably just there's only one or two stories that really were enough for me to say we we, we need other people to hear about the stuff right. that you've done in the past and that hopefully we can do together. And well, I say hopefully, I know that we Not can hopefully, do together. We will do together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but even even the story where um, like somebody's going to get surgery on a hip. Um, after right. previously having surgery on the other hip and it being a, a long-term issue. And then within an hour or two of learning how to hinge, basically how to pick something off the floor using these evolutionary program principles that you have learned how to harness, they don't need the surgery anymore. Right. And not only, well, not only does that person have to, well, they're relieved from their pain, but then there's less suffering, there's less money spent by the, whoever does it uh, we, we save a lot of time and energy and effort and misery for a lot of people i think um yeah. which is the goal right yeah it's it's uh it's crazy which leads me to my next rant because i've been seeing this pop up a whole lot recently and it's driving me nuts i actually just put up a video about it talking about just on the physical side we keep wanting to treat and this isn't for the nine. This isn't for the people that aren't necessarily training on a daily basis, but it, it still applies to them. When you're having discomfort or massive amount of pain in the hip region or in the shoulders, when you go see specialists for whatever reason, they keep going back to wanting to fix very small muscles that help stabilize the shoulder for sure. But when we're talking with people that are in strength and conditioning or that are going to the gym or that are being active on a daily basis and putting heavy strain on the joints or on, or load on the body, the bigger structural muscles should be developed. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is the exercise will gear the results of the development of the muscles. And that's absolutely not true. And that is exactly why we see these recurring injuries with the shoulder or the hip where the solution is simple, but the, the, the solution is simple, but yet so complicated because people think that if I do an exercise that says we'll work the pecs, the pecs are going to work or the glutes are going to work or the hamstring is going to work. And that's not true. And so, I mean, I think, you know, just as simple as it can be, understand that, if you're having, like, I'll keep this as simple as possible, and this will just be like a 30-second bit for everybody, all social media. If you're having pain in your shoulder, learn to use your pecs and your lats. That will fix 95% of the problems, right? And then we can build up from there. If you're having pain in your lower back areas or hip region, 95% of you will probably fix it if we can get better contraction and muscle capacity of the psoas major and the glute max. I'm going to keep it at that. Now, obviously, there's a lot of context behind that, and there's very special cases. 
But even with those special cases, if we can get activation of these four muscle groups, you're probably fixing a whole lot of discomfort and recurring injuries and the need to go get any sort of surgery or the thought of even wanting to go get surgery as a, as a possible solution for your pain and discomfort. Anyhow, it's been driving me nuts because I've been seeing that pop up a lot lately and it's yeah. pissing me off a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I like it as a simplistic um not simplistic, a simple explanation for potentially difficult problems. And it's this, the recurring theme that hopefully will come up in the podcast is we deal with imbalances, deficiencies, weaknesses, and then maybe in some context, some um, toxicities from the environment or relationships or, or that kind of thing. And which is the same principles that we look at health optimization medicine from, which is why we both work well together. And there's approaches that you use that will benefit all seven pillars of health optimization medicine and there's seven pillars of mine that will contribute to potentially being able to move better as well um so it's the yin and the yang which is again an an eastern uh philosophy and we'll probably a lot that you guys will yeah i was gonna say a lot that you'll see here guys will be a lot of blending of the western and the physical and the eastern philosophies kind of coming to play um but yeah it's that it's creating simple solutions don't complicate things because you feel that you need to make it complicated in order to validify your price or your cost or because you're wanting to get more attention on instagram or social medias right like keep it simple like that's why it's so hard for me sometimes to come up with content because what i do is very simple um you know the the conversation that we had yesterday where my client is doing phenomenal and this is more on the on the mental and behavioral side but i'm i'm talking like massive amounts of of progress just by adding a morning routine and not just the same fn morning routine but you know a morning routine that's auto regulated and being able to give her options because of tools in my belt that i've been able to bring down to their lowest denominator of how to apply them simply And so she's able to wake up in the morning and go, hey, I feel X, Y, and Z. Therefore, my morning routine today is going to be X, Y, and Z. At nighttime, I'm feeling like this. So therefore, I'm going to go do these. And so, you know, we'll we'll talk about different concepts and that in the future. But it's keep it simple. Just simplicity is key, which I think is one of the coolest things that you do is you're able to take these, you know, these super crazy research articles and, and kind of, you know, I think the best thing that we can do for the world is take these insane articles that nobody understands and be able to simplify them so that people can see how practical it is for them to apply. Right. Right. Which I think one of the biggest ones is like, I think you put up on Instagram a while ago and it was like, it's not about going to see the sunrise or the sunset. Yeah. The physiological part works, but at the nervous system state, if you're not enjoying it, if you're not being present there, you're not doing anything. Right. And so you you are, but you're you're literally grabbing a fraction of what it can really be, and yeah. so it's <laughs> it's like when people say that they're grounding by standing on the grass, and then I feel grounded, and they say, "No, I feel really terrible." Yeah. <laughs> so you're not really grounded. <laughs> yeah, I remember I was in in Australia, and uh, we were with a group of friends, and we went to this. I mean, we got there at sunrise, and it was this beautiful virgin beach. And I was just so elated. You could see the sunrise. 
there was whales playing off the shore. Like we saw kangaroos on the beach. Like, you know what I mean? Like one of these, like what, like what, what the F moments. Um, and I remember going like, this is just orgasmic. Like there's just, it's fucking orgasmic. And, and that's when I realized like something that's orgasmic or something that is that, that feels that good is when you're just there fully for yourself, with yourself, with the surrounding, right? Like the internal environment and the external environment are just at this peak of existence, if you will, right? Of of presence. And this can be a beautiful sunrise or it could be a super shitty workout or being in an extremely stressful situation. Like I have that same feeling when I was under, like we call it in the weeds in the restaurant, you have a bunch of tickets and, you know, you have like this chaos, but it's all flowing perfectly. Like that was orgasmic too. Cause you were just like, fuck man, it, it's just, it's happening so naturally. And so I think like that's a, that, that post that you put up just to bring it back that you put up on Instagram about, you know, if you're going to go get the vitamin D in the sunrise or the sunset, like be present with yourself and enjoy the moment. Don't be doing it while trying to put yourself up on Instagram and posting and thinking of the caption and having a work meeting and, you know, enjoy the sunrise, enjoy the light, even if it's for like 30 seconds, like just give yourself 30 seconds of stillness of being where you are and taking it in. Anywho, that was a great yes. answer, wasn't it? <laughs> It's going to get yeah, chaotic, is there anything guys. else we want to say i think that's a great end to this first episode um guys if you're one of these challenging cases and you know we're say challenging if you're dealing with mentor behavioral issues if you're dealing with pains and aches or anything that you know you haven't been able to find any sort of long-term solution and you know it keeps coming back hit us up where can they find you mr ed I'm Dr. Ed Caddy on Instagram and on TikTok as well. And uh, uh, DrEdCaddy.com as well. My email is available from there. Beautiful. And I'm at RichardAceves.com and Rare Barracuda on Instagram for all cool things that have to go with movements on the physical, mental, and emotional, guys. We'll see you guys soon. See ya. Bam. And... Thanks.